Nasdaq's trying to hang on this morning as we've got a little bit of a push lower in equity futures and indexes. Microsoft doing the legwork, still up after a pretty blockbuster report as always, it seems, they cannot miss. So let's talk some more tech and big, big tech ahead of Apple and Amazon still. Victor Kossel is joining us, TMT desk analyst at Cornerstone Macro. Good to have you back here, Victor. Great to be back. Thank you very much, Oliver. I appreciate that. So Microsoft right now looks, by my math, the only thing plus to include Microsoft that has not shown peak year-over-year revenue growth yet. Is that correct? I think that's right. The uh, you know the the forward forecasts probably don't incorporate enough of the price hike, and you know Microsoft has laid the groundwork for uh, essentially the business utility that it is with uh, you know, very strong market share. And you know what do you do after that? Well, you raise price. And once people are locked in, uh, that's gonna lead to a, a better revenue growth profile that is less sensitive to GDP. This is a, you know, you're renting from Microsoft. Uh, the sensitivity is a lot less than say the GDP fluctuations and the fickleness of the consumer. So it's uh, more purely secular than Microsoft has ever been. It's a growth story being a more uh, kind of idiosyncratic, another way to look at it. I think that's right. Yeah, it's probably one of the best big cap idiosyncratic stories out there. If you compare it on a relative basis to, say, Amazon, we've got e-commerce fluctuations. We've got people returning yep. uh, in real life to stores. Uh, Google's helping them enable that. So I think that's... You know, that's a good relative case for Google, even though you know e-commerce is slowing and or people are showing up places, they're engaging Google, volunteering that information on where to go. So I like that point about how some of the shifts here in a post-COVID world are maybe going to work against some of our giants. Amazon coming up, uh, Victor, how important is this one to see just how quickly uh, some of that COVID-driven strength in e-commerce is getting zapped out? I mean, what are we looking for here? Could Amazon lay an egg? Uh, it certainly won't be the golden egg. Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the, way to, the way I think about Amazon is, okay, AWS is strong, got it, noted, people want it, spun out, et cetera. But, you know, the, the whole thing for all clouds is essentially that the, the pull forward in demand uh, put, took up the utilization of these clouds, and it probably quickens the need to add capacity. These guys have always added capacity. So, you know, as much as utilization may be higher, these CapEx numbers, the semiconductor commentary, the server commentary, is effectively telling us that there's still an investment going on. And Amazon's got kind of a double whammy on investments, both in the cloud and in the core retail business. You know, when you think about airplanes that aren't flying as much from China to America, there's less cargo in those bellies because there's less flights. What does Amazon have to do? They basically have to go out and build a China to America airline. Uh, last I checked, airplanes are still expensive. There's gonna be considerable margin pressure for Amazon for some time. So. Mm. Uh, that egg is going to take some time to hatch. Victor, uh, I like that. Does the FANG safety trade make sense to you? It's been a very, very reliable place to go in any moment of uncertainty. Pre-COVID, especially during COVID, it was that to the most extreme. Uh, and it seems like investors are still trying to do that uh, a little bit here this morning, but that's kind of an intraday look. I know you're a big picture guy as an analyst. Uh, does there look to be a compelling story still for 
Fang is a safety trade. Yeah, it's kind of your best combination of uh, balanced offense, balanced defense. So it still you know, works. Defense wins championships. Um, I, I think the, the the biggest thing to say is over the past couple decades, you've had step downs in GDP growth every decade. So the average GDP growth continues to step lower, 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 lower. And you know what is what is Fang doing? Well, it, it's growing. Now it could grow faster or slower, but it's growing better relative to GDP. So that's that's your general safety trade. The the bad news is, is that a lot of that is in the price. So you are you are paying for this very dearly. Uh, we use an equity risk premium framework that says it's not about the multiple relative to history. It's about the multiple relative to the risk-free rate of bonds. And the hard part is, you know, you, you can get days like this where news is really good, but a lot is in the price. So you kind of have to grind it out from here. Mm. Uh, we don't think there's much upside in NASDAQ left, given where inflation mm. metrics are. But over time, yes, you're absolutely right. And as PMIs roll over, as we're kind of modeling for next year, uh, the, the growth trade becomes even more so. And, you know, what's, what's the today's proof point of that? Well, if you look at the Visa commentary, you know, Visa is kind of one of your growth, compounding growth stocks, trades an incredible multiple uh, at, along with MasterCard relative to, say, Microsoft. Yeah, down 4%. But the margin kicker at Visa and MasterCard is uh, rolling over. And that's kind of saying, okay, this post-COVID world is not going to grow as fast. Cross-border transactions, people aren't moving around as much. Amazing that as we exit this <laughs> health human crisis that, most of the trends associated during that period were market positive. It seems like really definitively this is not a meme by your opinion, Victor, that the post-COVID world is less ideal for the stock market, arguably, than the COVID world. Well, there's a lot of cost associated with a post-COVID world. Yeah. Uh, and more than expected, and, right? And that, yeah, and that, that cost of growth is kind of what has our enthusiasm dampened a little bit on NASDAQ overall. And it's you, you see it in semiconductors, right? Like a, a lot of these guys have big backlogs, but they can't monetize them. Uh, if you can't monetize them, you can't do beat and raise all the time. And that's kind of the cadence people are accustomed to in semis recently. So it's, it's the cost of growth. I think it's more difficult in something like semiconductors where you have 14 month lead times to make a piece of equipment and actually get it working. Whereas you think about how quickly Google and Microsoft can kind of fix things. Uh, data server adjustments, optimization, supply, they're not exactly supply constrained. So the, the cost of growth isn't as dear for say software as it is semis. Okay, Victor, that's a really uh, a well put and well worded description. The cost of growth in the post COVID world, uh, I think you really put the pin on it there. So perhaps a lid uh, in the NASDAQ, but for some of these companies able to post that, uh, growth uh, still, like Microsoft, are going to be the train that we ride until whatever sunset arrives in that theme. Cloud stocks breaking out too as a group. Do you think there's potential for the Microsoft-driven cloud story to run from here? Because your message on the overall NASDAQ and big tech is uh, fairly cautious. For this stock in particular, can it keep extending? Yeah, I think so. If you know, Microsoft's product doesn't need to be delivered via cargo ship through a California port, right? Uh, Netflix, similar situation, uh, maybe some hiccups on cost of production growth there. But ultimately, if you are a internet business model, there is zero or near zero friction in delivering that product. And if, 
you know, policy or what have you is going to hiccup the rest of the physical world, uh, the digital world doesn't have those same impediments. So I think that's why we see a steady rise in Microsoft margins, uh, Google upsiding margins. Uh, Amazon's a different story. It's got to deal with the physical world. It's got to deal with logistics and transport. It's, it's mm. basically operating a business like FedEx. So yeah. on a relative yeah. basis, uh, absolutely Microsoft. Hey, Victor, just real quick, we're already over time, but can you give me the 30-second take on Apple? You know, the Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, so <laughs> I wouldn't expect uh, too much of a surprise. But Apple's a stock that is re-rated higher, and they really haven't given you an operating margin outbreak. They really haven't changed gross margin profile. It's an incredibly well-run business. Uh, you know, I own several products myself. Uh, but again, physical delivery of a hardware product, you're not, you're not in a way digitally transforming unless they can layer even more services. Now, they, if they can capture some of this ad market that they're uh, essentially withholding from Facebooks and Snaps of the world, it gets a little more interesting. But generally, it's uh, peak to trough, peak to trough over a product cycle. The street is modeling growth uh, after the product rollover. Uh, history says it's usually down year over year. I'd, uh, I'd go with history. Victor, great conversation. Always good to get your take. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, sir. All right, absolutely. Victor Kossel, TMT Desk Analyst at Cornerstone Macro.